The following program is presented to you by the New York State School Boards Association. As spring approaches, there's no doubt that school boards have been inundated with budget meetings, budget updates, and budgetary data. So in this episode of the President's Gavel, our focus is on budget development and how to make this process a success. Stay with us. Let's call this meeting to order. Hello and welcome to NISBA's President's Gavel podcast, a podcast for all school board members. I'm your host today, Mark Snyder, Senior Leadership Development Manager at the New York State School Boards Association. And today's episode is all about the budget. Joining us for our conversation today is Brian Freeman, Assistant Superintendent for Business in the Webster Central School District. Thank you for joining me, Brian. Uh, pleasure to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. As spring approaches, there's no doubt that school boards have been inundated with budget meetings, budget updates, and budgetary data. Our goal today is to provide the knowledge and tools necessary to ensure boards are well-equipped to fulfill their fiduciary duties and present a responsible and impactful budget to their communities. And Brian, this is a, a heavy topic and there's a lot to unpack, so I think we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, my, my, my first question is, when it comes to the budget, one of the most commonly asked questions we get from board members is about questions. And we always recommend that board members ask questions during budget presentations. But what are the questions they should be asking? That is a perfect start uh, to the budget process. Um, I think the most important question at the start is just to say, how are we doing fiscally this year? Um, before we even start talking uh, budget for next year um, is to get a baseline understanding of what's going on financially for the district in the current year um, and what's happening, how are we going to, what are we projecting to finish the year off at, um, are we running structural deficits, are we running, um, you know, some fund balance, uh, you know, what, what's happening on the expenditure side this year? Are there anomalies? Just so you kind of have that picture so you know where you're at uh, to springboard into those conversations uh, for next year, uh, I think is one of the early questions I think any board member should kind of be asking and looking at, um, whether that's wrapped up in, you know, board reports, treasury reports. Um, there's a, a multitude of ways that information could get disseminated, I think, to the boards. But asking that question as a starting point is pretty good. Um, in addition to that, I think one of the other important things, too, is, uh, you know, what's the vernacular? Uh, what's the definitions? What do certain things mean when you're talking budget, um, you know, Every district's a little unique. What's the process like um, for uh, districts can vary. Um, some start early, some start later with their budget process. Um, so what are the definitions and how do they tie out to what that board member might be hearing or seeing uh, from statewide organizations? Um, you know, are you referring to state aid in house uh, in the district, the same as maybe a, a listserv from NISBA is displaying it for a board member. So making sure that you're making, uh, getting those connections, like what is excess cost aid again, um, as part of the budget process? Cause I've seen that on a report someplace and where does that show up in our, in our budget presentation? So getting a, a hold of, a, you know, those definitions and terms, which, you know, 
for people that aren't like me who love, you know, school finance, um, <laughs> you know, where, that live in it every single day, there are some abstract concepts in New York State finance and how the process plays out. Um, thirdly, I would say uh, there are no bad questions uh, as part of the process. I enjoy questions. I, I love it uh, when board members ask questions and we engage and the information exchange is very conversational um, versus, you know, a sage on the stage per, per se. Mm -hmm. I'm at a podium, you know, just talking about uh, budget codes and this is how we report it, but having a little bit more of that back and forth. So really encourage that there are no bad questions, um, that you're, there's checks for understanding along the way. Can you explain that to me again? What does that mean? Um, especially, you know, with board turnover, uh, a thankless job that it is, you know, there's, there's always um, some new learnings uh, to go on. So really that there's no bad questions during the budget process or uh, what certain things mean, um, I think would be my, you know, top three, you know, discussion points in, uh, for uh, board members uh, from the business administration side. Um, a couple other things I think, um, you know, could vary. Um, you know, where did certain things come from as part of the budget process? Uh, what's it anchored from? You know, have we always done it this way? Uh, does this go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Um, are there changes to the process that you're looking to do? Um, and, you know, some of those things are also important. Um, asking, you know, really it comes down to the why. Uh, why is this the way it is? Um, and so I think that's also um, secondarily important a little bit uh, for some good questions. And, and then with that, uh, what is the process, the process questions? You know, what's the cycle for state aid? What's the cycle for taxes? Uh, what, you know, what is a tax warrant? What's a tax levy? Uh, how does that play? What's a tax cap? What does capital exemptions mean? Um, so all those have kind of timelines to it. So what's the process looking like? What do, you know, what do you have to do on the technical aspect? And then what do we have to do as a board to meet some of those deadlines that the state, you know, imposes? You know, everybody, you know, knows that third Tuesday in May is our vote day, but, you know, back up from there. Like, what are some other things do? Uh, different technical items. When is the information due to the comptroller? When is it due to SED along the way and through the process? So I think a lot of process questions are also good, but that always goes back to then there really are no bad questions um, when you're trying to learn uh, coming from that lens. Yeah, and, and that, that's great. I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the process questions because uh, I was just working with a board recently. We were talking about their budgetary process and they were explaining how they don't have a budget calendar. And, and we, we talked about the importance of, you know, not only having a process, but capturing that process somewhere on a ca calendar. So the board is able to uh, not only visually see the, the, the process and the step-by-steps um, that are going along the way, but also to have a, a voice in the development of that calendar and what it is that they'd like to see. I also like you started by, by uh, recommending that the board just kind of take stock of where we are this year and, and how we're, they're doing fiscally, you know, in the current year. And when I served on a school board, uh, that was our very first budget presentation. So 
day one, I think we did it in October even, you know, what is our current fiscal status so that we had a baseline for everything else that was going to come. And I think that's a great suggestion. That's a great point, Mark, uh, that you were making about the budget calendar, because everybody's is a little different. You, you know, you mentioned starting in October, uh, some people start in January, but there are those specific dates that I think every district has to abide by and knowing that uh, is very helpful. And then the nuances of uh, that you could work within that as a board and as an administrative team together to, to create additions to that calendar. Um, you know, help along the way with some of that understanding um, and some of those questions um, that you can make it your own. Uh, we all do the same thing, but there is that variability that every district can can make the process their own. Yeah, certainly. And, and through that process, the board's able to, you know, gain the information that will help. And, and when we talk about questions, uh, you know, our, our goal at NISBA is always to try and, and move the board forward and, and, and productively, but also, you know, keep them out of the weeds, as we like to say, and, and, and keep them from that, that micromanagement um, aspect of board governance that tends to creep in from time to time. And so, you know, other questions that we tend to recommend, and, and, and I appreciate if, if you could just tell me if these are on the right track, is, you know, uh, things uh, related to sustain sustainability of the budget or things related to alternative funding sources or um, anything related to uh, ensuring that funds are divided equitably throughout the district. Um, you know, any factors that might be, for example, contributing to fiscal hardships in the district. You know, would they continue to keep the board at that governance level but still prove valuable for the board to ask as questions? Yeah, those are great questions, especially the, you know, the factors um, that play in every year, um, you know, what's happening statewide, and I guess you could even carry that out larger to the federal level, because um, some districts are more dependent on some federal grants than others as well, so they have to, you know, put a keen eye to what's happening in D.C., besides Albany and then, you know, work back into the, into the local economic environment of what's going on. So I think reviewing those factors is a phenomenal question. Uh, I'm actually going to make a note to uh, perhaps do that as part of my budget process this year. And, um, you know, the sustainability of the budget is, is something that always comes up when you're doing your long range planning of, you know, what we're doing is that going to be able to sustain itself and last and is there a funding source uh tied to it that okay we've done this program is it only going to last for as long as whatever funding might be attached to it so those are all great questions and um you know contribute to the conversation one of the things that you uh, you recommended is that the board uh, obtain their definitions in, in defining the terms that are associated with the budget. And we've heard a lot of discussions about fund balances and reserves. And board members often wonder about tapping into these accounts to help subsidize the costs of their programs and their initiatives. And Brian, can you explain what these are and the benefits or the consequences that may be uh, from using them? Sure. Um... Reserves and fund balances is always a hot topic um, because everybody always goes to that, uh, especially if the comptroller is visiting. Uh, you know, that's always the first thing that gets looked at uh, when the comptroller is in doing a district review. Uh, it won't take you very long to put a quick Google search and see, you know, put in fund balance reserves audits and a list of 
you know, 600 of them come up from across the state. Every district is different, I think, is the first fundamental starting point for board members about these accounts. Let's, you know, let's set the playing field there um, that it's apples to oranges uh, when you're really looking at reserves and fund balance district to district because there's a lot of internal decision making that from you know 50 60 years ago that impacts even what's going on today i think the most common uh discrepancy that i always like to point out when we do look at fund balance district to district and reserves is uh with borrowing for capital projects some districts go through a borrowing process uh, other districts use cash so they have extremely large capital reserves um, that in essence pay for their capital projects where the district next door might not have those reserves because they're financing through debt service payments. So right there, the two districts next to each other will have a large discrepancy in overall fund balance because of that financial model, which may go back to the 1950s. So I always like to start with that um, when I having those discussions about it's really apples to oranges. You know, a district the size of Webster, uh, we have a fairly robust buildings and grounds um, department with, you know, plenty of skilled trade members. So we do a lot of stuff in house. Um, we don't need a repair reserve. That is something that we won't have here at Webster because we have that luxury built into our operating budget. But a district that's smaller, um, maybe doesn't have that uh, level of staffing to be able to troubleshoot or fix uh, things around uh, the schools, uh, would carry a repair reserve um, that they could access and tap into to hire uh, you know, companies through appropriate bid laws um, to perform that work for them. So those are just two examples of where, you know, districts are different. I could, you know, talk for hours and hours about, you know, every single uh, possibility, but, you know, that's why I always like to say it's, it's apples to oranges. And I think getting board members to understand that, first of all, is extremely important because um, we always like to try to compare ourselves to the districts around us or what, you know, what's that district doing? What's their percentage of fund balance? How much do they have in a reserve? And it could skew greatly. Um, so having that uh, 30,000 foot concept is the best starting point uh, before we start drilling down into the district specific items. Um, and with that, you know, given the board members, you know, your reserve balances, I think having reports uh, available for your board members and say, okay, this is how we uh, are doing this year. This is what we have in reserves. These are the reserves we have. Here's everything a district can have. Here's what we're doing. And uh, to get back to your very first question about what questions uh, board members should ask, um, the next group of questions around reserves is, well, okay, why? Um, where, uh, when it comes to reserves, where is the money going to be? Why are we doing it? What is it going to be used for? So asking some more questions and, you know, my job as uh, assistant superintendent for business is making sure those questions get answered up front uh, for every board member. We're doing this because of X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, we have 27 uh, corporations inside the district boundaries. They're, they're filing tax certiorari cases. That's why we have a very large tax certiorari reserve. Um, you know, in consultation with your attorneys and your auditors and having those discussions, having those discussions with the audit committee, maybe a finance committee uh, that the Board of Education has. So, 
they're aware of those and can actually, um, you know, take some of that uh, keystone knowledge and turn it around uh, to other board members in conversations as well. Um, so, you know, I like to, you know, go through that with all the reserves and, you know, pretty much lay that out of the, you know, not the who, what, why, when, but a little bit of that, um, but really the why, the how, and what it's there for. Um, you know, is it enough for the future? I think is the next great question when it comes to reserves. Do we have enough for the next um, fiscal downturn? Can we maintain what we're doing with what we have in reserve and for how long? Um, that question, that process is very important, I think, for board members to understand. Um, you know, we added UPK, we added a new foreign language. Can we maintain these things with what we have, or do we need to possibly add more to be able to shelter those for the next economic downturn? Um, and I think showing board members and having that awareness that New York State is very cyclical. Um, Mark, as a former board member, you've probably lived through some of the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows. Um, you know, graphically uh, take board members through, say, okay, you know, 15 years ago, we were bottoming out, great recession. Now we were coming out of it. Here's a peak. When's the next valley gonna come? And so I always like to use the quote, uh, you don't repair the roof when it's raining outside. Uh, so mm. you put some money away uh, when the times are good for when that eventual rainstorm comes and you need to you know, react to it. And it, it, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the questions regarding reserve. Like, is it enough or do we have enough? And it, it brings us back to that sustainability uh, of the budget that the, the board should be uh, concerned about and definitely asking their questions about. Um, and, and that brings me to uh, uh, something like a long range fiscal plan. Um, this is something that we recommend to our boards uh, as, as they're going through their, their, their planning, their strategic plan and their academic goals is to also have a long range fiscal plan. Could you maybe touch on uh, the long-range fiscal plan and uh, the board's role in developing and then, of course, implementing that plan? Yeah. Um, so the fiscal plan, I think, is tied directly to that reserve conversation. Uh, I think the reserve conversation should be a springboard for the uh, long-range fiscal planning because they're, in essence, they're tied together. This is what we have. This is how long we have if we decide to start utilizing it before in essence the fiscal cliff hits. So they're kind of tied together in, in my opinion, that long range fiscal plan. Um, and so it's a very important role for the board. Um, a long range planning, it's just a different way to think. Um, it, you're trying to get into a mindset of what the future is going to look like. Um, you know, kind of becoming a mini actuary uh, when you're looking at that, like, okay, what are the rates gonna do here? What's the prognosis for healthcare rates in the next five to 10 years? What are we looking at for the cost of tuitions at BOCES? What's, what are we planning there? And it's really a, just a great way to step back, I think for the board and for upper level administration, especially myself in school finance, is to um, just kind of put the, the head on and to look to the future. What are some of the roadblocks that are going to come to the district uh, financially and how can we prepare for it? Um, 
and you just take that time to do it versus like, all right, you know, we're in, we're in the budget two years from now. Didn't see that one coming. You know, how are we going to adapt within uh, that fiscal year to that? Um, but, you know, if every year you're taking some time and having some thoughtful planning and looking out, hopefully those situations and scenarios don't happen to you as a district uh, when you're doing your budget planning. Um, so I always like to uh, start our long range planning also with enrollment conversations, um, class size, new courses, programming, uh, because that's the point. Like we talk, we get a little too mixed in the weeds um, with the financial aspect of it. But I think what we're really f here for is education for kids. And so what are programs that uh, the Board of Education is looking at uh, to make the district better? How could we work that in as part of our long range planning? Um, that student equation, I think, is really important. Um, class size, new courses, you know, pivoting to some of the technologies that are out there. Um, I know, you know, when I graduated high school back in the, in the 90s, you know, my son, when he hits high school, if the courses aren't looking the same as they did. So with that long range thought planning is how can we prepare for that? Um, how can we adapt to those changes from, with a structural financial uh, solid plan uh, moving forward. So I, I don't wanna lose that aspect and just get caught in the numbers. It's like having that conversation like, okay, we're looking five years out. What's also the five year out instructional plan and how can we match the financial plan to that? Um, that's a key component uh, that sometimes gets lost, I think, in the conversation. You know, And then you're always just looking at, you know, what what's every contract? What's the salary and benefits looking out um, for the labor force? What's the labor market looking like? Uh, are you gonna have to increase because minimum wage? You know, is there uh, other things that are factors that are in, uh, coming down the road um, that could really uh, impact you uh, three, four, five years out? So it's just being aware and taking that time uh, as a group to think like, okay, here's the roadblocks, here's the pitfalls, Here's how. Here's a plan for how we can guide it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it's almost everything is working in concert with each other. So our our strategic plans looking primarily at at student achievement goals and and district goals, and then we have for we may have a capital plan or a facilities plan, but the fiscal plan is kind of what ties it all together and how we're going to, you know, prepare resources to provide these services for our kids. Hundred percent. Yeah. And now, Brian, as the, an assistant superintendent for, for business uh, in your district, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get on your soapbox for a minute. Uh, my, my final question here is, <laughs> what can the board do to ease this burden of the budgeting process on their district? Because clearly, this is a complex process that involves local, state, and federal dollars coming in and going out. Uh, it's highly specialized. And uh, the last thing that we want our board members to do is to make this process more complicated. And so from your perspective as someone who's doing the work, how can the board not only ease the process, but make this even uh, a more beneficial uh, experience for everyone? Uh, first and foremost, it's engage in the process, I think is really important. Um, asking those questions um, and engaging uh, establish expectations, I think, early in the process um, with your budgeting calendar. 
that you also mentioned earlier. Um, so what does that look like? What are the expectations uh, for the budget process? Um, what are the goals? Setting the goals together. Maybe it's a retreat over the summer. Like, all right, here's what we want to focus on in, um, for this year, whether it's programming, operationally, instructionally. Um, so having those expectations, uh, you know, early is important. Uh, if the expectation is we're going, we're just going to go to the tax cap this year, or we want to be below the tax cap. Um, so that engagement level helps determine the process. Okay. We're not going to the cap. We're going to be at a 2% levy or we're going to be at a 0%. Getting those parameters out early helps shape that budget process and make it run smoother. Um, so I think those guidelines and expectations are really the most important part to ease, ease the budgeting process. Um, hurrying up in April, um, a hurried budget process doesn't you know, help anyone. So uh, getting that out of the way early. Um, reflection, I think, is important too after the fact because that reflection helps with the following years. Um, what, why did we do this? What is the benefit? What are the returns? Did it work? Um, you know, those type of questions. I think having a reflection period um, about a lot of different things, maybe the budget communication plan, reflecting on that. You know what? Voter turnout was a little low this year. Let's reflect on what the communication plan was. You know, all right, we, we only did two forums. Maybe we got to go to four forums or we got to do something digitally or we got to reach out a little bit more. So I think reflecting on the process every year, uh, whether it's through a workshop or a board retreat or uh, you know, just a conversation at a board meeting of, okay, what can we do to make the process a little bit better next year um, is, is vitally important. Uh, sharing perspectives from the community. Um, you know, that I think used to be a huge portion uh, when I first started um, as a business administrator for really getting that community of board members being the funnel for community input. Uh, like, yep, I'm hearing this at the swim club or this is, I was at a basketball game for my kid and this is what some people are telling me. I think with the digital platforms these days, you know, that has kind of subsided and there's a, a lot of different ways to communicate and get that information. But still, um, you know, the community perspective, uh, getting that as part of the process uh, helps ease, I would say, ease the burden because you're aware of what's going on. And anytime you have knowledge or information, it helps the process. Um, and then, you know, just the willingness to ask questions and learn, I think, you know, is, is probably the most important thing to ease the burden. Because I, I never like to, you know, present something about an abstract concept about reserves or things like that. And I don't want a board member to walk away feeling uh, like they didn't uh, get the complete learning. So um, asking those questions is, is always important to ease the burden. Um, and you know, what's the community asking for? What should we be looking at to include? Uh, helps the process along as well. Great, wonderful, great advice. And I appreciate you, you taking the time to share that with us because that's uh, it, it's a concern that's on the minds of many of our board members and they, they don't want to be a hindrance. They want to be an asset to the process and included in the process, 
but they don't want to, of course, hinder the process. And so I appreciate you, you taking that question. And unfortunately, that's just about all the time that we have today. And so I want to thank you, Brian, for joining me today. Again, this is Brian Freeman, the uh, Assistant Superintendent for Business at the Webster School District. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. Uh, always happy to share knowledge about uh, state finances with, with everybody. And I'd also like to thank my NISBA colleagues working behind the scenes, making it possible to bring this podcast to you. Thank you to Megan DeGenero, Al Marlin, and Alyssa Mayello. My name is Mark Snyder, Senior Leadership Development Manager at the New York State School Boards Association, and this has been a production of NISBA's President's Gavel. And this meeting is now adjourned. Want to learn more about today's topic? Additional resources can be found in the show notes for this episode. Have a topic idea? Email us at gavel at nisba.org. And if you find yourself tuning in each month, search NISBA on Facebook or Twitter and show us your support by giving us a like. As always, thanks for listening.